Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while now, well, first of all, thank you. Wow. Been seven years, 351 episodes, and you're still listening. Well, you would have heard me talk time and time again about becoming a salon CEO. It's the number one important element of having not just a successful business, but one that facilitates and makes way for a life of freedom and profit. Yes, but also all the other facets of life that is so important, family, friends, actually having hobbies, looking after your health. All the things that make your life yours, and maybe even the very reason you opened up your salon in the first place. Am I right? It's a simple idea, but actually becoming a salon CEO isn't simple by any means. And for me, certainly it was a process of trial and error, mistakes, and constantly challenging my way of thinking before the secrets of becoming a salon CEO finally revealed themselves to me. And today, I'm going to reveal them to you. A couple of months back, I was invited to chat with my beautiful longtime friend, Hayley Mears, on her podcast, Cutting Through the Noise. Now, Hayley is a super successful business owner who I met way back when I worked for Timely Salon Software, before I started the Salon Owners Collective, in fact. She was one of my very first coaching clients And I didn't really give her a choice, actually. In our chat, Hayley asked me, what is the secret, Larissa? What is it that salon owners are missing when it comes to stepping into their salon CEO role? So I shared with her my top three tips and the three mistakes that I see salon owners making every single day that are stopping them from fulfilling their potential, living a life of freedom, more profit, having freedom and the profit, not just one or the other that drew them in and inspired them to open a salon in this industry in the very first place. So, listen in. Listeners, there's a bit of backstory. Um, When Larissa launched Salon Owners Collective, I remember we were sitting down having a wine at Herrickspo in Melbourne, and Larissa said to me, hey, I think I'm going to start something, and I'd love you to be my first client. Do you remember that? And and I was like, yes, sign me up. I'm I'm all here for it. And so um from from there, um you were you were a business coach, but I kind of looked at you as more like my psychologist and psychiatrist, where you would help help me unpack all of my business problems and help me compartmentalize those and um, yeah, still to this day, like I, if it wasn't for the knowledge and the structure that you gave me at that time, I don't know whether I'd have the really great habits and the foundation that I have now. So the one thing that I, I really took away from the time in which you coached me was the fact that you are so incredibly organized. I have never in my life met anyone as organized and, and as on top of things as you are. So if you could maybe share a little bit about how you managed to just 
have various streamlines of your life as a business owner within this, you know, crazy industry that we all work in. Um, and I think that um, you explaining that might really help quite a few people that just don't know how to find all of the different pieces that they've got going on in their lives and just kind of making it work. Okay. Um, well, the first thing to know is that I wasn't born organised. I'm actually uh, uh, a creative who has chaos in my head, just like the majority of us. It's a learnt skill. And the skill really came out of the need to get out of, like when we're in chaos, it's creative, but it's painful. Do you know, you miss deadlines. It's embarrassing to not show up and be organised. And all of those kind of painful experiences I had in my 20s as a young business owner, um, I was like, I just can't bear to continue to be like that. And so it came out of a desire to um, do better, be better, and, you know, um, yeah, be successful, I guess. And so it wasn't something I was born with. And what it took me a long time to learn, uh, and I still am learning, I guess, is that there's only 24 hours in the day, and this is the currency that we have. It's time. And we get to choose what we spend our time on. So we need to be a little bit intentional about where we spend our time, what we choose to do with. And so I'm a um, longstanding overcommitter and overcommitting to things and saying yes to things because they're exciting or fun or you don't want to let people down or you want the results or whatever. So what I've learned to do is to manage my time and I literally calendar block everything in my calendar. So if you look at my Google calendar, everything that I do is planned in advance and it's in my calendar even my child's shower time is in my calendar <laughs> he's 12 now I've been doing this for a long time um so I don't really have to manage his but his showers but it's a reminder I get to Sunday it's still in there since he was like five and I go how many showers has he had this week you know all of those things are run on my calendar so meeting today was in my calendar all of those things because it's the one thing that I can control and what I choose to fill in it mm -hmm. so um that's the spice of life right where you spend your time who you spend it with what tasks you do or don't do is going to determine the outcome of success so I think that's my first um organizational tip is like manage your time and be smart with what you put in there and if it's not going to give you the result or take you towards the goal um don't put it in there. And that stops you from overcommitting. Because now when somebody says, can you do the thing? And I go, well, hang on, let me see when I can do the thing. Or if I need to do the thing, what else I need to move and prioritize. Um, so yeah, cooking time, picking up the kids is in my calendar. Um, going to dinner is in my calendar. Yeah, all of the things. So that's yeah. number one. I, th I think number two is being able to delegate. I can't do all the things. So I can do only what time I choose to put in my calendar and there's more stuff that needs to be done than I can do so I need to be good at delegating um, and the only way I can delegate is by having good humans on my team um, and then giving them enough information so they can succeed setting them up for success and being clear about what I want and what I need which sometimes is hard because sometimes you don't yeah. you just know you have a problem you don't necessarily know how to solve it yeah um, and then the third point is systems and processes it's dangerous when information lives inside of my head. It's not a good place for information to be stored because it's chaos in there. So I've got to be disciplined in, in creating systems and processes or how I can transfer information to other people. 
So we use Asana as a project management tool. Okay. Um, and, and we have a really good, what I call, this is how we do it here. So we have a, a, a portal, if you will, and any processes or systems that we do on repeat or regularly, like produce the podcast or produce a blog or let, you know, onboard new customers, they all have systems and processes. And we've worked out the best optimal way to do those things. Um, and we put those on repeat because if they live in my head, it's useless to everybody else and it's chaos in there. So it shouldn't live. In, I have this rule, nothing should live in my head once it's become a thing. Dreams and ideas, good place my, to yeah. be in my head. Um, processes, no, not good. I love that. And I look, I actually remember um, you giving me that tip a little while ago saying, you know, it's all about your calendar and it's all about your outsourcing. And I think my comment to you was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like getting a cleaner is just such a luxury. And you were like, no, no, it's, it just means that the time that you spend, you know, working that pays for the cleaner, it's, it's better. You're getting more stuff done. And all of those tips, it was great because you nudged me out of my comfort zone with all of those things. So I highly recommend all of them. And I think, you know, that organization kind of loops us back to like, things like deadlines. And like you said, creative people are really bad at deadlines and, or, and all of any, anything that has a timeline really. So you never seem to miss that. And you're always across tech. So you're good with the management. You're great with um, the forecasting of ideas. But how is it that you manage to stay on top of what's happening in tech? Because you seem to have such a natural ability. You know everything that's going on in the tech space. And I'm amazed that you have time to read, read the blogs, listen to the podcast. So tell us your hacks on staying up to date with what's happening in that space. I think, firstly, when I was a young kid, my dad, he's a bit techy. He's not a coder or anything like that, but he learned to code and he taught both my sister and I to code. Back in those days, it was pretty easy. So we used to make little programs. So I think I've always been, right from a kid, quite interested in what technology can do. Um, and and I, I find it quite fun. So um, I'm an avid podcast listener. So when I walk or when I drive or even... If at night, my latest one is at nighttime. If I wake up and can't get back to sleep, I listen to a podcast because, like, it's better than lying there, letting things swim around in your head. Um, so, yes, being committed to listening, learning constantly. But I'm definitely uh, a doer rather than learning by listening and learning theory. I just need to get in and have a go. So, for example, everyone, you know, as you know, Chat GPT is all around. Yeah. So, I need to get in there and play with it and see what it does rather than just listen to everybody else first I listen to everybody else and then I go and have a go and I guess I do that I do that in my spare time so <laughs> don't tell don't tell my husband but sometimes we might sit down to a family movie which is great but I've got two boys and a husband so I'm in a boy household so sometimes the movies are a bit hmm. boyish and so I'll just secretly quietly under my pillow open up my laptop or my computer and go and play on chat gpt because i find it fun so i'm obsessed enough to just look at things because it's fun and exciting i don't know if that yeah. answered the question but i guess that's kind of 
that's the secretly what I like to do in my fun time. Um, <laughs> I'm a geek. We are actually going to be recording um, a podcast this week on chat GBT and I had my first little play on it last night. So I think it's very apt that you um, you actually bring that up <laughs> as, as a point. Um, and before we jumped on this conversation, you know, you and I are chatting and your question was like, how are things with you and what's been happening? And that was a great question because I feel like um, we're in April at the moment um, and knowing that people may be listening to this historically, so April 2023. And what I found in business over the last couple of months is we've hit, you know, a really unique time that we haven't hit before. So we're post-pandemic and we've gone through a very unusual patch, but we've hit another really unusual patch and that is um, in Australia and New Zealand, in interest rates are, are really rising and people are feeling the pinch as business owners in a really big way. And I think it's really changed the landscape of our industry over probably the entire 2023, but I've noticed it um, the last few months, like spending is capped for people, like they're really concerned about what the future looks like. So I just wanted to get your take and see if you're noticing any major shift in the industry due to, I guess, that financial inflation and economics that we're seeing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it, it, globally there's uh, a challenge, but locally um, interest rates, you know, in some cases are doubling. And I know I was just saying to you before, you know, ours, our interest rate has doubled. And that has a huge, uh, our mortgage interest rate has doubled and it has a huge impact. Um, and I suddenly went, oh, I see <laughs> what everybody is experiencing. And I know that for some salons, um, the stories from with our own salon master community, um, clients or long-term clients are choosing to downgrade or to come less often or they're choosing the gym over their hair, depending on what their own priorities are. They're having to make choices around extra spending mm. based on the fact that now you know, their mortgage rate is up and you've kind of got to pay where to live. Like that becomes first priority. Yeah. So uh, I think everybody's feeling the pinch. My um, my observation is that those that are have a solid business, have a good financial business model, um, and have uh, already have a reasonably successful business or very successful business aren't going to experience quite the uh, devastating impact but those that maybe don't have a good financial model are already close to break even or not profitable um, and probably are serving the lower end of the market are going to suffer because it's the lower end of the market that they have no fat in they're spending already they're already yeah. budgeting and they're already thinking about how much um they can have um in discretionary spending so i think that end of the market's going to be tough um so i think the lesson or the opportunity here is to manage what you can control yes we need to put our prices up but it's not the only answer because you know for some people that's outpricing themselves um, so I think internally it's about recognizing who are who are the types of clients that are at the top or in, top end of the financial market who are less impacted and doubling down on serving those people really, really well. Um, and you can only help who you can only help. You can't change the minds of the people who are choosing their morning coffee over their hairdo. Like don't panic about them. 
double down on the people who are choosing you over their coffee or their gym or their whatever other discretionary spending and then be smart about the services that you're um, promoting or that you're doing like they've got to be the higher end higher end of the service market or the higher profitable services so you might do less work but you've got to do the better work and I think that's what's going to help us double down and and survive yeah. um, and then I just want to say this too shall pass you know like it was terrible when it was COVID but we all got over it some didn't and some won't get through this um, but this too shall pass it's just a little bit annoying that it's kind of too challenges back to back right yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if you're anything like me I'm like I just I just want to get on and do great business and I, I don't want these interruptions um yeah. but that's life it is it is what do you think the biggest mistake that salon owners are making in business right now because I guess from um your point of view that's that's who you're dealing with and that's that's your audience it's salon owners so where is it that we're falling down as an industry or as business Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease, in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, I love this question, actually. Um, I kind of feel like this is my mission to help people um, get over these, these mistakes. So I think the first one is... Um, if you are fully booked serving clients 40 plus hours of the week, my question to you is who's running the business? Who's running your business? You're serving clients and you're behaving like a, a team member inside of the business and then nobody's running the business and doing the business stuff. Or we try to do it in the 15 minute gaps between clients or while the client's processing. We try to run our business and we're running our business at 11 o'clock at night when we're exhausted and we're tapped out. And so yeah. we've got a tapped out tank is empty, grumpy owner who has got no time to be an owner and just wants to serve clients. And so I think that's the first mistake is that we transition from being a stylist or a therapist into being an owner and we forget to transition our job description. And we keep doing the same thing. And we just mm. pile a whole bunch of stuff on top and then wonder why things are going terribly or why we feel stressed out. So I think that's probably the first mistake. I think in a perfect world, if, you know, I get it. We love to serve our clients. I, I did too. We have amazing relationships with clients. So I think the balance is at a minimum of 50-50. Um, if you can spend 50% of your time with clients and the other 50% of your time running the business um, and, and depending on obviously what your growth goals are, like I think you shouldn't be doing any clients personally. Yeah. But we love, but, but we do love to do it. So I think there's, there's got to be something, something's got to give. 
there. I think that's the first mistake. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want any more mistakes or is that one good? <laughs> Sorry. Did you want any more of the mistakes? Um, or or was that good? Look, no, no, share more if you if you've got more, because I think people don't actually know what they're doing that's holding them back. And sometimes like with your own with my own mistakes, I'm like, I can't believe it took me that long to work it out that I was doing that wrong. Someone should have just pointed that out to me because you're so busy living in your own little bubble, you just you can't see the forest with the trees, right? So I think. No, more tips are good. Keep them coming. Okay. I think the second one is that we forget that our team don't know what to do or we expect our team should know what to do. For example, somebody comes in for, and applies for a job and they've been in the industry for 12 years or whatever, five years, and we go, great, you're a senior stylist. You'll know what to do. Employ. And we throw them out on the floor and then we are... Um, upset or disappointed at performance um, but we've never told the people what we actually expect of them or what we want them to do or how to do it here just because they've done it somewhere else um, doesn't mean they know how to do it here um, it's like saying oh you've worked at Peter Pitt that's a fast food takeaway when you come to work at McDonald's you'll know what to do you've worked at a fast food takeaways before and it's like well, hang on no no these are completely different businesses. Just because we provide the same service doesn't mean we know what to do. And so I think because we're too busy on the floor doing clients, we're not spending the time showing our people what to do, teaching them how to do the thing, setting them up for success, serving the team members. Just because you know and it's so obvious to you, um, it doesn't mean it's obvious to them. Um, it's, it's kind of like the curse of knowledge, actually, because we know all the things we can see so clearly how it should be done or why it should be done. And we forget that those people don't have, they're not looking through the same eyes as us. They've got different yeah. eyes and they don't see what we see and they shouldn't see what we see. That's why we're the business owner, right? Um, so it's taking the time to invest in our humans and, and we forget. I, I see that probably as often as I see people working too many hours doing clients. Yeah. I guess we just came out of the, the conversation about the, the shift that's happened. And I think all of those are really interesting points around, you know, the economic shift. So coming out of the pandemic, what, what did that teach you as a business owner? Um, I love this question. Um, I think first and foremost, just to be agile and be mm. prepared to pivot. Like what worked does not work anymore and you've just got to look for something new, a different, a different angle or, yeah, be prepared to throw everything out the window <laughs> and start again. It's a fine line. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, obviously, but, yeah, being prepared to change um, and the fact that things, it's, it's different. Every, everything has changed and we need to change with it. I think that's part of our job as being a business owner is to, to change. Read the, read the tide, read the weather map and dress accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, now, and then I think the other thing is um, appreciate now what we've got and then care deeply. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I'm always looking forward like I'm, I'm excited about the future and what's next and and sometimes I live in the future 
which mm. means that sometimes I can forget to appreciate today, right now, and what's really happening. And, and so when something like COVID comes along or interest rates double, um, you can suddenly go, oh, shit, I had it really good. Um, damn it. Um, so I think take a moment to appreciate what you've got in any given moment. And even when the tide changes or the rugs pull from under you, you've got to actively look for what's good because you could go down a deep, dark hole of sadness or depression or angry or whatever the emotion is because it's unfair or unjust, but you've got to just hold on to what's good just for your own mental health, I, I feel. Mm. Yeah. I certainly feel that, you know, COVID and the pandemic taught us that we need to pivot. And, you know, not saying that it's a good thing that interest rates are what they are at the moment, but we are we are we're primed. We've done it before. We have the agility. And so now we just need to reskin the structure of our business and like really look at the bottom line and reverse engineer that. Well, that's what I'm going to have to do because I feel like just the last probably two months have been very, very different to any. I think I've had the business 13 years and I've never known a time quite like the last two months as to what it looks like. So I think that pivot is, yeah, absolutely crucial to survival. This is when ingenuity comes out, though. Like it's times that are tough that force us to think differently and creative, creatively. And this is when, if we give it the time and space, this is when we get to uh, we get to recreate, like create something new that wasn't there before. It doesn't have to even be dramatically different. It probably just needs a new, you know, a new box and a new bow on it, yeah. and shift it slightly. Positioning needs to change. You need to speak to the to what's happening now. But this is the moment to um, I can't think of the word be um creative you know mm. this is the moments when new technologies come out of the woodwork new uh products come out of the woodwork this is when we get to be creative and and make some shit up and try something new you know because yeah. we've got nothing we've got nothing to lose like if you tried three new things or three new products or three new services or you stopped doing something and did something else instead like when you're already feeling the pinch you've got you've actually got nothing to lose Absolutely. You said before um, something that I would just want to come back to, and she, you said that I'm all, you're always looking forward, and that was one of an, another key takeaway that I took from you um, as a business coach. Sometimes you would say to me, "Okay, look, you've got a, everyone has a plan, whether they know it or not, um, and I want you to get really, really clear on what your plan is." And I think you said to me, "Everyone should have a three, a five, and a ten-year plan." But sometimes we'd actually get um, more kind of micro details on that and it could be a three week a three month plan so can you tell every tell everyone a little bit about why that planning is so crucial to setting yourself up for success yeah um I know that sometimes looking forward especially if you're in the day-to-day -day weeds really hard to pop your head out and look forward um that's that's tricky especially if things are feeling tough but uh, uh it's a bit like, I'm a bit of a metaphor type of person. <laughs> so it's a little bit like, you know, um, if you're in Sydney and really you have aspiration to get to Brisbane, um, well, the first thing you need to know is like, do you want to go to Brisbane or do you want to go to Adelaide? Like, where do you want to go? Because there's no point jumping in the car and packing your bags on a trip if you don't even know where you're going. So that's kind of the first thing. And 
even if you're not really sure, at least you need to know if you're going to go north or south. Like, where do I ish want to go at least? Because it's going to make, you know, driving right now, you know, important. Which road am I going to turn next? Well, at least if I know I want to go south, at least I'm going to at least go in that direction. Because otherwise what can happen is we can, um, and I've experienced this, you know, shit just flies at us. Other people's problems, other people's requirements, business catches on I call it catching on fire do you know when just things are a bit chaotic and you're kind of like you've got to put all the fires out and <laughs> yes you know other people's stuff comes flying at you or opportunity if you're an opportunist opportunities come and people say do you want to do this and why don't you come and speak here and um and before you know it you're slammed doing everybody else's agenda or just a random agenda that came at you and you were just a yes person because I've been the yes person I'm an opportunist so I want to say yes to everything opportunities yeah and next minute you wake up and you're like actually I don't even want to go this way I just said yes and um, suddenly I'm in Brisbane but actually I really wanted to go to Adelaide so I think just putting a pin in the map with the general direction it gives it it gives you clarity on the decisions you you say today do you know like am I going to say yes to speaking on just for example speaking on stage do I actually want to be a speaking on stage person I probably not I don't love being the center of attention um so not I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that, but you know, just as an example, be at least ish know kind of where you want to end up in ten years from now. Otherwise, you wake up ten years from now and go, how do I get here? Yeah. So I think that's the first thing, and then you can work backwards from there. Um, yeah, I, I think that's mainly the reason, and then getting things written down. Um, I don't know, maybe a little bit magically or maybe a little bit internally, intentionally, when you write something down, even if you kind of put it in a drawer and don't look at it and you find it two years later, somehow something magical happens and you end up doing the things that you write down. Um, I know as an industry, we're quite, we're visual, but we're also also very kinesthetic. So I know when Mm. I write something, my whole body and being is in that writing and I'm now connected to what I've written down. It's how I learn um, so when I write a plan down, the chances of it coming to fruition just, you know, double, triple, quadruple. Um, the smarter thing is not to put it in the drawer. The smarter thing is to have it on the wall and look at it all the time, of course, because then you're more likely going to end up where you wanted to go. The hard thing is deciding where you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually the hard bit. I, th- I remember doing the exercise with you and I came up with like, you know, mood boards and this and I had a beautiful apartment that overlooked Sydney Harbour Bridge I was like that's where I'm gonna live <laughs> and I do and I look back and it's it's actually a really great marker in my career to look back when I do those every few years and be like oh wow shit I really I, I got quite far I might not hit you know the glass ceiling but I definitely made a fair dent in in what it does and that's really rewarding I think one of the bigger problems that people in our industry and like yourselves, you and I as business owners have is that we do all of that and then we burn out. So what what have you got to share on your view of burnout? How do you recharge and stay inspired? And do you have like non-negotiables? Like this is how my life is going to be and I'm not going to change it because I kind of need this to exist in the calmest, most peaceful space that I possibly can. Yeah, I think... Um you know, from that kind of long-term planning or, or putting a pin in the map to the right now, um, we do uh, something called 369 planning. 
So three years, six months, nine weeks. And so every nine weeks we have a plan of what we're going to do over the next nine weeks. And it ties into the six months and the three years, obviously. Um, But I know for the next six weeks, nine weeks, what I'm going to work on, but it also gives me permission for the things that I'm not going to work on and I'm going to park till the next nine week circle. Mm -hmm. Because nine weeks is a good amount of time to get a lot of shit done and take a little bit of a pause before you kind of start the cycle again. Um, And I think there's power in deciding what you're going to do, but also what you're not going to do, because that whole sort of thing of having too much or saying yes to too many things is is the beginning of the end, and that's what leads us to burnout. And I find it's hard to commit to only this many things because I love a good shiny object or something that's really exciting and chat GTPT comes along and I'm like oh we're going to be part of this shiny object let's dive in now hang on we actually don't have any bandwidth for this and because we mm. calendar block and we go this is the things we're going to do and it's in the calendar there ain't no space for that or if I want to stick something shiny objects in I have to move something out so I have to be a little bit intentional about that and it's only that the discipline of that process that makes space for what I would call my other life that I tried to squeeze in because I'm stupid passionate about business. And I know a lot of people that listen or are in business like you and I, we love our businesses, but you've got to make space for the other parts of your life, like your kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, part of choosing to be uh, remote or, you know, uh, disciplined about like, I always pick up my children at three o'clock. That for me is a non-negotiable. Um, and I need to work around that. So I know what my limitations are on how much work I can do. And if I want to get more stuff done, I need to be able to have more people to delegate it to. If I want to be able to employ more people to delegate it to, then I need to have my sales go up so I can afford them. So um, that's kind of the cycle of project management and this nine-week cycle type of thing, knowing what you can and you can't do, and then non-negotiable. Um, so picking up kids, that's one of them, and feeding them. I feel that's quite important to have a bit of a touch point. Um, the other one is white space. This is a hard one, but it's so valuable. White space is just, I'll show you, I'll tell you what white space looks like for me. Okay. It, it can look like lots of different things. But in every nine-week cycle, on a Wednesday, I take one Wednesday off, and it's just like a me day. And I'll do things like walk around Wellington waterfront with the dog and not listen to a podcast. Like just calm the phone, calm the brain. Mm -hmm. And here's an example to know what I mean by white space. Actually, this is a better example. Do you ever have your best ideas when you're in the shower? (laughs) You're the second guest on this podcast to say that to me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and uh, so if you're having too many great ideas in the shower, that's just a symptom of not having enough other white space in your life because it's like this calm, quiet moment. And in the calmness, the best genius ideas come. So the other place is like you go on holiday. It takes me about three days to unwind from the holiday and all the things to stop. Then I have some space and I'm present. And then about day five to day seven, maybe maybe eight, depending, suddenly all of these ideas and amazing things come just 100 percent 
That happened to me a few weeks ago and I came back. I, I sat on a plane for six hours typing nonstop, <laughs> just vomiting out all of the ideas yeah. that I had during the holiday. And I was like, get me back to work. I need to get back. Yeah, yeah. and there's a sense of urgency now. Yeah. So you kind of want to intentionally engineer this uh, experience, right? Like why wait till you have a holiday to have the best ideas? Uh, why have too many ideas in the shower because by the time I get out of the shower I've forgotten half of them I have to go three I have to remember three ideas three ideas go and write them down um so that's a symptom of not having enough white space so my goal is to have some white space in the middle of every nine week sprint and just have a day off go and have a massage walk around the beach create the calm because that's when all the best ideas and all the all the problems that I need to solve and suddenly I go oh we just need to do this and then it'll work so um, creating white space, super important. Yeah, I love that. Super hard it's, to do. It's so true. It's so true. I loved our chat, as always. Now, she asked me some great questions that I know will change all of you to make some changes one way or the other in your business, in your life, possibly. In case you missed some of those things, let's just quickly recap some of those key elements in becoming a salon CEO. Number one, time management. Your time actually is your currency and you are in control with how and where you spend it. If you're not already calendar blocking, give it a go and I promise you it will transform your day-to-day -day time management. Your days equal your weeks and your weeks equal your months and your months equal your years and your years equal your life. Number two, delegation. You can't do all of the things. Well, you know that. You need to have the right human to support you and you need to be able to communicate exactly what that support looks like. Delegation, key. All right, number three, systems and processes. You probably heard me say this from time to time, and I'll say it again, the information that lives in your brain and your brain only is no use to anyone. And of course, we talked about the three mistakes that I see salon owners making that you don't need to make. And trust me, I've made these mistakes myself a long time ago, and you just don't have to. Number one, spending all of your time with clients on the salon floor. You love your clients. I totally get it. I love my clients and I get it. But if you're spending all of your time serving clients, who is running and growing your business? Number two, not communicating how you want things done with new team members. Every single salon is unique, right? And does she know how you do things around here? And she doesn't know unless you tell her. Number three, not having a plan, whether it's a three-week, a month, or a year plan, at the very least, giving you and your team some direction. I would argue that you can simply not run your business without a little direction, a bit of a strategic plan. And finally, we talked about the importance of white space. Now, space in your mind, life for clarity and ideas, can't leave this up to chance, and you need to intentionally engineer this into your life. Create the space that you can find the calm in the chaos need I say more well thank you for joining me again on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast it's always a pleasure to hang out with you and if you think you are ready to step into your role as a salon CEO I think you're ready too and that I would love to help so let's chat maybe Salon Mastery or the Momentum Program is a good fit for you all right look forward to connecting same time same place on the podcast ciao for now <laughs>